Welcome to Love Games. We're here to shine new light on the games you love and the love in your games. I'm Lucy Morris. And I'm Lauren Clinic. And we are into episode 11 now. Welcome oh. back after a short hiatus. Over 10. Yeah, God, that's, oh. yeah, we're almost at middle school or intermediate, whatever, whatever <laughs> you call that school. I know it yes. differs depending on where you are in the world. Cue but. all of the Americans being confused again. I yeah. know <laughs> I know they had a fun time screaming at, at their podcast listeners when we were very confused about what sophomore was and things like that. I still don't know what sophomore is. I'm going to be honest. I don't understand what any of that is at all. <laughs> it's gone on too long. Now we just have to, it just has to be part of the personal brand that we are very naive about very typical pop culture knowledge. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Obviously and- we're very niche. <laughs> we are very niche and not, you know, obviously quite removed on the other side of the world. So forgive us. One day we'll figure out what sophomore and freshman means. <laughs> so before we get into things, do you have do you have a beverage with you? Maybe. Yeah. So often we have a nice a nice little tipple or some kind of drink, you know, a romantic setting. Uh, it's early in the morning on a weekend, so I've got some English breakfast tea with me. And uh, I'm covered in bagel um, sesame seeds, <laughs> um, but no romantic candle today. How about you? Um, also early in the morning in New Zealand, not quite as early as Lauren, um, but I have a delicious organic Earl Grey tea with me and I have my candle lip because it smells nice and it's a golden mimosa soy candle and it, it smells delightful. I don't really know what mimosas smell like, but it smells nice, so... <laughs> There you I, was, go. I actually just incidentally had a conversation with David Gator of Bioware fame last <laughs> night at a house party, incidentally, and he loves mimosas, so I sat down and got him to explain to me what they are. Uh, they're a lot more popular for brunches in America and Canada, and it's orange juice with champagne added. So, yeah, no, it's super easy to drink. Yeah, they're really yeah. nice. <laughs> and I think a peach bellini is if it's peach juice and champagne. Oh my god, that sounds amazing. Maybe I should have a mimosa for episode 12. <laughs> Maybe there is. And I mean, in the game for this week, uh, they're, they're definitely not drinking mimosas, but they are drinking. But before we get into it, we do have a, a special little bit of content with the uh, competition we've been running, right, Lucy? Yes. So as you may know, if you've tuned into Love Games before, we've been running a kind of giveaway thing for our listeners. So we've been asking you to tweet us your favourite episode with the hashtag LoveGamesCast. And the prize for the draw is the Digital Love Book, which is full of a collection of lovely essays about romance games and concepts within romance game mechanics. And yeah, it's just a very good read. So we have now chosen the winner, and that winner is... Lisa Blakey or at RPG Lisa on Twitter. Thank you so much for taking part and uh, we'll be contacting you soon on how to get that lovely book to you. Woohoo! And I mean, Lisa loved our sex ed episode, which is great because, mm-hmm. you know, for a niche topic, that's a niche area. And um, sex ed's not always the most fun. It is often very funny. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's actually been one of our most popular episodes, which is great. Yeah, no, I'm really glad that people enjoyed the episode because it, it was a bit strange in the fact that we talked about multiple different games and, mm. you know, a lot of our own experiences as well. So we're really happy you liked that. Thank you so much and congratulations on winning the giveaway. It's a seriously good book, Lisa. <laughs> I think you're going to love it. 
So just a reminder on format for the show, each week we generally talk about a game and we discuss how they handled love, romance or sexuality. On special episodes, we have guests from the industry. You have stumbled upon a classic quintessential format episode for this week. And as always, if there's a game we haven't explored yet, just get in touch with us on Twitter. Let us know what to check out. And we'll also have some more giveaways in future, whether that's, you know, it could be more books, it could be more games, it could be all kinds of things. Yeah, and if you are working on a game that has romance game content, feel free to email us at lovegamescast.gmail.com and we can have a chat and that'd be really nice because we want to see what you're making and we want to play it. Mm. And our listeners are actually the best. They're all intelligent, (laughs) sexy, vibrant, wonderful people. So if that's Mm. you listening, congratulations on being outstanding. (laughs) We do have a really amazing, um, what do you call it, a listenership? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, everyone's really enthusiastic and Mm. lovely and yeah, we're really glad to have you along with us on this journey. They're all super sweet. And uh, I've recently been in Shanghai on a work trip, listening to a lot of My Favourite Murder, which is a somewhat irreverent, um, quite feministy, very fun, true crime podcast, which sounds like a weird juxtaposition. And the My Favourite Murder podcast collective name is Murderinos. So I think we're going to need something a little bit cute in the future for our listeners because they are a beautiful bunch and they kind of naturally all get along together. So let's have a think, Lucy. The first thing I thought of was paramours, but I just like the, the <laughs> word paramour. So there you go. So the game that we're talking about this week, we're actually going a little bit back in game history, I guess. like Just a tiny bit. <laughs> and we're talking today about The Witcher 1 by CD Projekt Red. <laughs> I don't know why I laughed. It's just, I've got a lot of feelings about this game and I'm really excited to talk about this with Lauren because it's, it's very interesting in a mm. lot of different ways. So a quick description if you're not familiar with The Witcher games. So The Witcher game series is a trilogy and The Witcher 1 game came out in 2007, so wow, that's more than 10 years old now. I (laughs) I keep on forgetting how old we are. (laughs) It's actually perfect, because it's the 11th episode, so we picked something from 11 years ago, Lucy. Obviously, it was subconsciously perfect. (laughs) Yeah, that was was calculated. (laughs) (laughs) So it's an RPG game, and the entire series really is centred around Geralt the Witcher, who's also known as the White Wolf, and at the beginning of Witcher 1, he suffers from amnesia, so he has no idea who he is, and you know he gradually learns along the course of the game that he's a renowned witcher who are um, they're kind of people that just go around killing monsters and protect humans, but they've got a few interesting quirks about them, like they're sterile, they're um, immune to diseases, they have to go undergo a mutagen sort of mm. process to to change their genes to become a witcher. And uh, it turns out he's got friends and enemies almost everywhere. I mean, I, <laughs> I I wonder why he has the friends, but I guess we'll get into that later <laughs> on. Um, but yeah, he starts to uncover his past, and through the player's actions, he'll redefine those relationships and choose his path in the political intrigue that surrounds him. And Witcher is very heavy on um, politics and political intrigue, which is pretty cool. Mm. Um, you can get Witcher 1. I uh, would definitely recommend getting the enhanced edition because it's got a lot of 
fixes and is inherently more playable than the actual original game. From Steam and GOG for about $10 US, so it's, it's really cheap. You should mm. definitely give it a go if you're curious where the Witcher series came from. And you can get it for Windows, PC, or OS X. So, yeah. Beautiful. And just a little bit of background that I found really interesting. The the team that developed this game, um, CD Projekt Red, they're the owners of GOG.com, which is one of the, you know, the competitors to Steam. But the CD Projekt Red team originally came from one of the founders uh, they sold illegal cracked versions of games in Poland way back when because Poland was still under the influence of the Soviet Union and they couldn't legitimately get video games. Mm. So when they were young, they sold all these pirated copies and then they wanted to legitimately start distribution happening in Poland. And they ended up being the first uh, company selling legitimate CD-ROMs in Poland, which is a really interesting background to it. They, uh, they own GOG.com. Then once they had some money, they were like, oh, let's make the most Polish game ever. And they bought the rights to these novels because they're based on novels of this Polish author that had been going for a really long time. And I remember seeing uh, there's a there's a very interesting book called Blood, Sweat and Pixels about game projects that had production issues, but interesting background on the production of games by Jason Schreier. I believe. And one of them was talking about the Witcher and the Witcher series in general. Mm. And the original author um, sold all of the rights for something like it was less than $10,000 US. And wow. He, I know, I know. And he was offered royalties, but he just wanted a lump sum. Holy so- crap. <laughs> oh my God, he must be kicking himself. I know. But I, I do feel, I, I don't know the exact details of it. I do think CD Projekt Red have given him more money since. And mm. I think maybe he's been credited as a producer and maybe he has been like involved later. But that's mm-hmm. just a that's a very interesting little little quirk there. But the novels are very, very famous in Poland. There's a lot of the books. I haven't read them myself. Uh, my partner, Josh, has and says that it's really, really good. Like, mm. you know, sexy, gritty, interesting, different kind of different kind of fantasy. And apparently there are a lot of Polish themes and Polish influences in The Witcher. And it does mm. have a very different flavor and tone to a lot of fantasy games which I think we'll get into. Yeah definitely and I recently played through Witcher 1 myself and played through it on live stream and a lot of my viewers did recommend the books and Mm. they said that they were super good so they're definitely on my to read list and it'll be really interesting to kind of see what transferred over from the books to the games and vice versa. Yeah I heard they're really good. good. Yeah, and I mean, The Witcher 1 came out at a similar time to Dragon Age Origins, and I believe they were made using the same engine. I think the CD Projekt team uh, contracted um, the proprietary engine, the Aurora engine from BioWare, to make Witcher 1. So if you look at the the sort of user interface and the heads-up display and the way some of the art looks, there are some similarities to Dragon Age Origins as well. So if you played both in that era, you know, 10 plus years ago, OMG, we're so old, um, you might (laughs) see some similarities. Yeah, I I heard that it's the same engine that Neverwinter Nights was made in as well. And if you actually, if you play through Witcher 1, and if you've played Neverwinter Nights as well, it's kind of mind-boggling how they manipulated this game engine to create two inherently different game experiences. Like, holy crap, games are amazing, right? <laughs> Good job, developers. Good <laughs> yeah, job. Yeah. 
And I mean, we won't talk too much about Witcher 2 and Witcher 3 on on this uh, podcast episode, mm-hmm. but even just uh, looking back at where a game can go over 10 years in terms of quality and scope and features and polish is just incredible. And if you think mm-hmm. about what's going to happen in the next 10 years when we're inevitably doing episode 1457, <laughs> like, you know, holy crap. And also everyone's talking about the cyberpunk upcoming game that CD Projekt Red are, are making as well. Mm-hmm. And I do feel that will have romance content. So we'll probably cover that when it's out in, a, you know, maybe five years. <laughs> <laughs> no, I am looking forward to that game. And mm. You know, Witcher 1 is a little bit dated, but I've got a lot of friends who really, really love The Witcher very passionately, the series, Mm. and I owned all the games for a very long time, but I never played them, and I really wanted to play them sequentially, so I started with The Witcher 1, Mm. and a lot of people warned me off it, and they were like, "Mm, you know, it's it's a bit dated, like, the way it treats women is a bit weird, you should probably start (laughs) at The Witcher 3. Um... (laughs) But I'm really glad that I played through all of them because, yeah, like you said, the progression is really interesting. And also I think The Witcher 1 like has a lot of good parts to it that I think, mm. you know, if you're a fan of The Witcher, you should go back and experience it if you haven't. It's, it's dated, yes, and it's a wee bit janky and a wee bit silly, but I <laughs> think it's an important experience. Yeah. I think it's important to see the history, you know, started at the bottom, now we're here kind of thing. So, <laughs> you know, I do think it's worth going back to, back to it and mm. it'll make you enjoy two and three more. And you can pick it up so cheaply as well, you know, just... Just pick it up. Um, the enhanced edition fixes a lot of things, makes it look and run a lot better. Mm-hmm. Just boot it up and run it because it is it is unusual, and you will appreciate consuming a bit of history before you jump into the the Witcher Three, which I believe was like the game of the year for a lot of people back in was it two thousand and sixteen that it came out. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I've only heard glowing recommendations about mm. The Witcher 3. People ardently love that game, and I've just started it, and yeah, I can see why they like it. Mm. So I, I look forward to talking about Witcher 2 and 3 with you at a later date. Hell yeah. But we're talking about Witcher 1, because <laughs> when this came out, everyone was talking about the sex, because oh, yep. it, it absolutely had a bunch of sexual content in it. It mm. had some romance content. It was like, this is a protagonist. That gets a lot of pussy, basically. Like, <laughs> straight up, Geralt gets laid a lot. It's part of his story. It's part of his story in the books. It's part of his story in the game. The mm. game itself is not all about sex and romance, and I believe you can completely avoid having sex if you don't want to, I think. Yeah, but, I think so. Um, what, what was your phrase, Lucy? He whoopses into sex a lot? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's an interesting setting, because the Witcher universe, at least definitely in The Witcher 1, is very sexually charged, and it's obviously integrated um, sexuality really heavily into the atmosphere of the game and the way the world works. And it's, some of the romance encounters in Witcher 1 are so unexpected and just, you're like, okay, this is happening now, I guess. Um, that when I was playing it on stream, the viewers kind of just termed it as whoopsing into sex because like we wouldn't see it coming. We, we wouldn't realise that this was the end game at all. And then suddenly we're just, you know, sleeping with someone. We're like, all right, okay, this is how (laughs) it's going to be now.
<laughs> and sometimes what Geralt was saying seemed to have no bearing on clearly making it obvious that you would like to have sex with this person. So it's, no. very, it's, <laughs> it's very weird. But before we get into the weirdness, Lucy, what what has the game done well in terms of romance, intimacy and sexuality? I mean, obviously in The Witch 1, because as the series evolved, it began to treat like the narrative of women better. Mm. But I liked the way it integrated uh, romance, sexuality, um, so naturally into its atmosphere and into mm. the world. Like, it's just another part of the setting and it's normalised and, you know, there's, you know, people just sleep with each other. That's kind of normal, I guess, like, the way the game presents it is not normal, but mm. the act of it is normal. There are sex workers in the game as well and... It's a normal thing in the Witcher universe, and I kind of liked that. Like, it's it added a lot to the atmosphere of the game and mm. gave it a lot of interesting attitude. Yeah, it does normalize casual sex. Uh, yeah, it does. It does take apart the idea of one hero man, one woman, and yeah. it is love, <laughs> and that is the one sex, blah blah blah, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like Shani or Triss, who you can have more of a romantic relationship with. All the others are just kind of casual sexual encounters. They're mm-hmm. also not. Uh, they also don't get locked out if you do have casual sex with other people as well, which is which is somewhat interesting. Uh, I do think you have to choose, quote unquote, choose between the real further along romance content between Shani or Triss, I believe. Mm-hmm. But uh, but neither of them are like, you've slept around and now you are beneath me kind of thing, which I did like. Yeah. Um, so the romance of substance, I guess, within The Witcher 1 is between Shani, who is a... She's like a medic, mm. I guess, and Triss, who is a sorceress. And you get presented with a large choice near the end of the game. Which one you want to choose to pursue romantically. But yeah, like, they don't really care if you've slept with anybody else. It's just, it's, it's kind of normal in that sense that it's an accepting relationship. And that's cool. Yes. The way it presents other things is not very normal. <laughs> and I guess we'll talk about that soon. Not very cool. Also, if you like redheads... There's lots of redheads. Yeah, that's so weird. Because <laughs> <laughs> both of the potential romance interests are redheads, and then there's other redhead women in the game that you can sleep with. I feel like people on the art team were super into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't actually realise that until you pointed it out. And I'm yeah. like, damn, there are a lot of redheads in which you've won. Which is very, very interesting. And, uh, and yeah, there's a lot of other things in the game that it does well. There's, uh, it's mature, there's political intrigue, there's choices between, is it the Order of the Flaming Rose and the Scoia'tael, I think, are two of the main factions. Yeah, the the overarching theme of The Witcher 1 is kind of this political struggle between uh, kind of underdog races in The Witcher universe who are being oppressed and are really shittily treated by humans, so like the elves and the dwarfs. The Order of the Flaming Rose, which is... Yeah, I guess, yeah, spoilers. Kind of the mm. primary antagonist of the the game as well, who need to purge the world of these races and protect humans. And the Witcher, who was just kind of a... <laughs> I played him as a neutral party, but I got really punished for that. But I don't regret my decision, because mm. I feel like as the Witcher... Like, his job is to kill monsters, mm. and anything else is kind of like, why the fuck are you involving me in this? Why I'm the involved? worst diplomat. I just, yeah. <laughs> I kind of kill things and sleep with people. Yes. Um, 
But yeah, the game really punishes you for kind of straddling the fence and you get called out for it a lot in dialogue and you get yeah. told off and they're like, you have to take a side. I'm like, no, I'm no. a neutral witcher. No. I'm grey. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like in the later games, there's more of Geralt is an influential individual and other people want him involved. But the yeah. first one did feel a bit like... Yeah, you're thrust into shaping the political landscape when, as you say, you know, you're a witcher, you're a semi-supernatural person that has amazing abilities to kill monsters. Geralt mm-hmm. is not great at, like, diplomacy or no! complex he's thought. He's <laughs> Why would you cardboard. leave him in charge of them? Like- <laughs> <laughs> he's not charming. I have no idea why he gets all the sex. He's not even that hot in one. Like, yeah, Oh my god, he looks like a hairless lizard and. Witcher one, he like he does, kind of meerkatty in his face, like his cheeks are a bit weird. Like <laughs> the meerkat thing is so Aww. accurate. Yeah, he looks really odd. And yeah. again, two thousand and seven. I don't know, but it's just, yeah, he gets hotter again as the game goes on. So <laughs> he gets hotter. Kind of he gets hotter as he gets older. And, yeah. and, you know, we will talk about it more in other episodes, but the game gets more sensual about Geralt and mm. is more like, why do these people like him? Why does he have these great loves in his life? What's mm-hmm. attractive about him? Let's get the camera to treat him sensually as well as the, as well as the female characters and things like that, which is, yeah. which is really, really good later on. But one thing I did like about The Witcher 1 was that it didn't have a good and bad or an immediate feedback system to choices in comparison mm. to like Dragon Age Origins. Often those, you know, complex political things that were happening, you'd make choices and then you wouldn't have a consequence for it until a later act, which mm. meant that I wasn't save scumming because in Bioware games, I would make a choice and then a person would attack me and then I would reload it to prevent that from happening. But I yeah. couldn't do that when I was playing Witcher one so I was like fuck my past choice but I couldn't go back by that point yeah that's a really interesting point because I made a choice in which one and because you can load previous game saves into the mm. later games I didn't actually get a consequence to that until the end of Witcher 2 and I was like damn Ooh. damn like the long play I wow. yeah I didn't see it coming and it was really cool that decisions you made in a different game like long long ago Mm. you can only see reveal the consequence of that at the end of a next game and it feels it feels quite cool like you might not necessarily be happy about the outcome but you definitely feel like you have played a part in shaping that world Mm. and I mean it's more like life right you know you make a decision and someone only finds out about it and calls you out on it later which I respect (laughs) (laughs) yeah for sure What about the limitations of The Witcher 1? And we're going to put aside things like engine and Mm. mechanics because it doesn't make a lot of sense to rag on an older game just Mm. because it's obviously made at a different time. But yeah, so so kind of narrative-wise and romance mechanic-wise, I think we've got a little bit to talk about. (laughs) Oh, Lucy, where do we begin? (laughs) Oh, God. I just don't know. I Yeah, playing through this on stream was really surreal because... Mm. It was just such a different experience. Obviously, like we've said, there's a lot of sexual content in the game, but all of the sexual content feels quite detached mm. in a way, like emotionally detached. It's not sexy sexual content. It's mm. just 
sex full stop, I guess. And uh, yeah. the main thing that people talk about when they, they think about which are one and sex is the trading cards. So you get trading cards every time you sleep with a woman and they're usually very, very sexy pictures. You can, some games have it censored, some games have it uncensored, but yeah, you technically are trying to collect the whole set, even mm. though that doesn't really give you any bonus in the game. It doesn't really make any difference at all, really. But yeah, you're trying to collect all these trading cards by sleeping with all these women. And like some of the walkthroughs on how to get all these cards, <laughs> I have had a great deal of amusement reading through because some of the descriptions on how to get the cards just feel so removed from reality. It's extremely funny. Please give like, us an example, Lucy. <laughs> oh my god, I just, there are so many examples. Like for instance, in chapter one, which is like, the start of the game, when you end up in a village, you depending on what choice you make, you kind of kill everybody in the village. <laughs> um, I know. I did anyway. Um, oh but there's a lady called Vesna Hood, and the little blurb says, Rescue her from bandits, then walk her home. Then schedule a late-night rendezvous at the old mill. Bring wine. If you forget the wine, you'll have to come back with it the next night. Be careful, or she can be killed while walking her home. <laughs> it's it's just so odd and it's yeah like it just gets weirder and weirder from there really um there there's a lady in chapter two morin who is a is she a dryad i think she's a dryad or Mm. one of those two and even though they kind of protect the protect the wilds they're very in touch with nature they like all that that happy stuff um you need to give her wolf pelts, so I had to kill, like, 20 to 30 wolves. <laughs> and oh, I felt yeah. really bad killing doggos in the game. It made me feel really <laughs> sad. Anyway, you have to go bring her a wolf pelt. And then you have to answer, like, a correct response to her question about romance or sex without procreation, because apparently her race only has sex to procreate and to have children and Carol's sterile. So he's like, how can I get her into bed? Because I can't have kids. I can't give her children. And this is actually my favourite part of the Witcher 1 sex scenes because one of the options in that dialogue section was, you know, if we have sex, we're going to, like, churn the soil and the earth and then, like, seeds will get planted and grow and it's good for the forest. And I remember losing my shit because it was just... It was a incredibly good response. I was like, shit, girl, like, you have nailed it. You have found the exact reason why this dryad would want to have sex with you, and I chose it. And she's just like, you're a fucking idiot, and you have to go back and, like, reset and, like, go back and talk to her again. I was just like, damn, that's such a good answer. Why would you not think that? (laughs) It's so creative. It's very creative. (laughs) And that's probably the most creativity of a Geralt response. The rest of it is like, I gave you tulips. Or yep. even more distressingly, okay, I will protect you from the horde outside that wants to kill you, so let's have sex. Like, what the fuck? And, like, lots of women that you can have sex with have just been really traumatized, or yeah. you've just told them that their husband's dead or something, <laughs> and then it's like, I know everybody grieves in different ways, Lucy, but honestly, yep. there's a lot of weirdness going on. There is a lot of weirdness, and... Yeah, a lot of the uh, ways that you can sleep with people, the women are usually giving Geralt the sex and, like, like payment for something, like walking mm. someone home or protecting them or, I don't know, even just 
bringing someone's loot back to them. It's it's kind of strange, and it's very much like a payment system rather than like a sexual energy or an attraction mm. or anything like that. It's it's like kindness coins, but it's just sex coins because there's no yeah. kindness. It's just you put put sex coin in, get sex. Like mm. I don't know. Like, having the yeah. view that women will want to have sex for gratitude or because yeah. you improve their safety is, like, a very weird, it very is. very immature view of sexuality. Like, yeah. the majority of the time, people would like to have sex because they're attracted to you or it's fun or you're interesting or something. So if you've got a system where you're like, hmm, we want players to be able to have a lot of sex in this game with a lot of different women... Like, you don't have to make it part of a critical quest chain, you know, mm. or it can just be like a social relaxed encounter where you both like Gwent or you go out drinking or something like that, you know, yeah. like that's a lot more realistic than, you know, I am here to let you know that your husband was definitely killed by goblins. Here is, <laughs> here is his ring back. She's like, oh, I am so sad. Please comfort me with your penis. Like, not cool. Not cool. <laughs> It is very weird, and if I do remember correctly, I think there are one or two sex scenes where the women are simply curious about what it's like to have sex with a witcher, which I think cool. is a little bit more believable <laughs> yes. than just, oh, you walked me home, guess we're doing this. Um, yeah. So yeah, like there are a lot of different situations, but in the end they all are kind of kind of payment situations mm. apart from those those few exceptions yeah one of my other favorite uh, encounters because there is like a good like 15 to 20 women you can sleep with during this game like <laughs> it's not a small amount i think during one stream we slept with about five people which was our record <laughs> Amazing. but there is a in chapter two there chapter two or chapter three chapter three there's a um queen of the night who is a vampire mm. and this I think he's an Order of the Flaming Rose guy, or a, a city guard. He asks you in a pub, oh, my my sister's gone missing, I don't know where she is. She has blue eyes, very distinctive. Can you go look in this brothel? Because I heard there's a blue-eyed lady at the brothel, and okay. uh, see if it's her, because I'm worried about her. Anyway, you go to the brothel, which is the house of the night, and <laughs> you have to try and figure out if she's a vampire or not, because you're like, hmm... You know, like, I've heard some rumours. Maybe she's a vampire. So you have to actually sleep with her to see the mark on her neck. You have to pay her, like, 500 orans, which is a lot of money in the witch. And, like, (laughs) you have to sleep with her. After you sleep with her, you're like, she is a vampire. I saw the marks on her neck. And you go back and you talk to the dude. And uh, he's like, no, no way. No, that's, that's... no, it and cannot you, be. <laughs> it cannot be. <laughs> and then you go back, you go back to the brothel, and you go upstairs. You got to get past this bouncer. You can like pay him money, or you can give him drugs, or you can beat the crap out of him. I accidentally beat the crap out of him. <laughs> and you go up, to the, go upstairs, and like this lady vampire runs this brothel, and she's like, you know, this is an area where I protect um, other lady vampires. You know, they're safe here. Everyone else is safe. We're not hurting anybody. And you're like. Okay, well, you know, I kill monsters, but I guess that's saving other people's lives, so that's alright. Anyway, the sister's brother turns up in, in that scene, in the bedroom, and then you have to slaughter him and, like, ten oh. other people. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and then uh, their corpses are still on the ground, and then you sleep with the Queen of the Night and, like, four other vampires. <laughs> you just have this casual foursome mm. and amongst this huge massacre, and it's just like... 
so weird. And also oh the God. models for the Alps and the Brookside, which are like the, the female vampires, are really gross in Witcher 1. Oh. Like they've got like rotten skin and their like neck giblets are hanging out. Oh. It's a really surreal scene. I think that's one of the most surreal scenes I've ever experienced oh in God. games, to be honest. I do remember there was a witch character called Abigail that mm-hmm. people people wanted to slaughter her because she's a witch. And she's hiding out in a cave and scared. But mm-hmm. you as Geralt can still like have sex with her uh, yep. and say, Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna back you up, it'll be fine. Have sex mm-hmm. with her. And then her trading card is really aggressive with her like squatting on a pile of bones and smearing blood <laughs> on her titties. And I was yep. like, What the fuck? Because <laughs> I'm like a teenager at this point. And yeah. all of all the other cards are like quite boudoir-y. Some of them are weird and we'll talk about it, but that one was really aggressive. But also you can have sex with her and then leave and say to the people, You're right, she is a witch. She tried to seduce me and like no, totally fuck her over. I'm like, this is oh the my gosh. worst. It's like so bad. That is so weird. I, I didn't. Do, obviously, I didn't do that because I'm not a shitty no, person. But no. holy crap, that's that's awful. I know and it's super not good. Like, I do again. Like coming back to Geralt's lovability, I just don't understand why this keeps happening to him. Because in The Witcher One, like sure in the other games, his personality develops and he actually has substance, mm. and you learn why there are reasons to like him. But he's not a very likable character in Witcher One. He's kind of just a like transient asshole, mm. I guess. Mm. And there's this really funny scene in which uh, in chapter three where Dandelion, who I also loathe, um, who <laughs> yeah, is like Geralt's fuck. bard friend. I can't stand Dandelion, he's a fuck but yeah, boy. he's I, fuck he boy. is, he is. And this this friend of yours says, "Oh, can you go pick up a loot for me?" Um, I was tutoring, air quotes, this mm. uh, townsman's daughter and giving her music lessons. And mm. Geralt's like, mm, something's a bit fucky there. Like, did, <laughs> were you doing stuff with her? And Dandelion's like, oh, she proposed or something. And like, I don't want to see her again. And if I go over there, then her dad will beat me up and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I, <laughs> I have to go to this woman's house. And again, I accidentally beat the crap out of her, <laughs> her dad. And I'm just like, oh my god, this is so bad. Was that just anyway, accidental dialogue choices? I Yes, I think so. I think so. I, I hope so, because I, <laughs> I don't act like that in real life. Anyway, he goes upstairs. <laughs> and this is like someone Dandelion has a good relationship with. And, you know, she was really infatuated with him. And then you just sleep with her. She's like, oh, I wonder what it's like to sleep with a witcher. I hear they make you all tingly. And it's just like, why would you sleep with your best friends, like, you know, but on the side? Like, it's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. It was really funny. I remember that there's a princess that, you know, I think it's it's Ada, right? Who's a princess that's getting turned into a monster. And they're Mm. like, Geralt... You get the witch stuff, you know, like you need to investigate this and figure it all out. And Ada or Ada is, um, she got born as a Striga, I think, which mm-hmm. was some kind of a monster. But then, and you know, she's like a monstrous beast and stuff. But then you can have sex with her, like mm-hmm. at some point, which is like, you were protecting her. Um, what? <laughs> like, yeah. She's in her human form when that happens. And I think it's before you find out a lot about the Striga condition. Mm, mm. Um, But it's still really weird. And yeah, yeah, I I think the game would be a lot different if you managed to save her. I didn't manage to save her (laughs) because fighting her was real hard. And I'm like, okay, you're just going to die. But um, (laughs) yeah, no, it's, it's really odd. And the entire like 
courtship section of that mm. um, sexual encounter again is quite weird because what you're supposed to do is find some specific type of raw meat for her mm. and then you bring her raw meat and then she's like all right we're doing it and it's so it's so strange oh. <laughs> It's super duper strange and there's a lot of similarities for me between Kratos from God of War in the previous games and mm. Geralt in The Witcher 1 in that they're the, there are these gruff, aggressive, powerful, strange, semi-supernatural, you know, often rage-fueled male characters that women seem to find amazingly attractive and throw themselves to. And the guys don't seem to be that excited about the sex they're having. They just yeah. seem to be like, well... If sex is on the table, I guess that's my duty. That's part of my personal brand. I'm just going to, I guess I'm just going to get this over with. And it's just <laughs> really strange. Yes, we're doing this. And that's not weird. hot. Yeah, no. it's not hot. And it's not hot to, you know, be third party to mm. as a player or anything like that. So, yeah, I guess it's quite a difficult art to make sex scenes and games mm. actually sexy. Like, Definitely. I mean, that in itself is inherently personal. Mm. But... Mm. Like, you don't do it this way. Like, that is just completely impersonal, removed, emotionless, and, you know, it's it's funny, mm. but it's not, like, it's not arousing or sexy at all. <laughs> and it's like, when you're making a game and building it in this way and making these content choices and making these design and structure choices, you mm -hmm. are saying that the player is only interested in the sexualization of the woman and mm -hmm. only interested in the sensual treatment of her and sexy content based on her. So I'm going to give you all these titty cards and the guy is not going to be sexually vulnerable as part of the process and we're not going to give him sensual treatment and you're not going to see him in a very sexual, undressed way. You're only going to see her, which to me is just weird. Um, you know, yeah, it's like exactly. they're making it all about, oh, I am doing the sex upon this woman and I will be looking at her and I will collect these sex artifacts from her. But mm. the man, it's, it's like, it's weird. It's like the man is not whatsoever kind of involved. It's like, I guess I was involved, but in terms of what I get to see and what I get to engage with, it's all the sexy woman, you know, or the, the blood smeared titties or whatever it might be. Yeah. I mean, if you want to look at another kind of disturbing titty card, the lady of the... <laughs> Lady of the Night one, or whatever it is, Queen of the Night, is also quite weird. She's wearing, like, shackles and manacles and stuff, and she's got, like, blood all over her face. I don't know, it's weird. But Very yeah, weird. also, when I was researching um, this episode and just checking my facts, seeing walkthroughs on how to sleep with the maximum amount of women and, you know, how to catch them all as you were is yes. quite, quite odd. Mm. Like, it's just... Sex as a collection mechanic and um, as a completionist mechanic is just such a strange way to approach it. Um, again, like emphasizing the fact there is no real emotional substance there, and it's just it's not it's it's not representing the core of what it what it generally is for people in reality. Mm. It's mm. it's quite weird. Yes, and I mean the game the game is pro promiscuity, which is yeah. no problem, and we're thumbs up on that. Heck but yeah. the fact that there are these binders full of women approach with trading yeah. cards means that if you're engaging with the system you'll probably try and collect all of the cards or yeah. it incentivizes collecting all the cards which means you'll just manipulate or look up the situation to have the sex without actually mm -hmm. consciously making choices and being like is this one that my Geralt would sleep with instead it's like okay cool how do I 
give her the tulips and have the sex and look up the guide and stuff. Like when I played it, you know, even if the, even though it was 11 years ago, I definitely Googled it to try and get every card because I was like, I want to see all these fantasy titties. Um, (laughs) And then also the Polish cards are more sexy than the cards for the international release. Like, Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. The international release has like some, some bubbles over some nipples and stuff. Oh, right, right. Yeah. And also the sprite for the dryad was a lot more sexual in the Polish version. Like, I think you, maybe you see her whole nipples or something maybe instead of have a little like leaves or vines over it that we ended up getting in the international release. And it was like, I was definitely the entitled gamer that was like, I want to have the maximum sex and see all the cards. Mm -hmm. And the cards are kind of a nice, you know, reference or somewhat tribute to pin-up art and stuff like I Mm. I don't intrinsically like I like a lot of the art and the art looks good but the way that it was implemented in the design and the way that it incentivized things and the actual way that the that the sex functioned was was very strange in conjunction with all of it I mean there are some nurses you can have a threesome with the nurses but they're in their card they're kind of like pressing their vaginal mounds together but there's like a desiccated old man dying in the background and yeah I'm like, there's a couple of corpses Ooh. back there and you're like oh, this, this is very unprofessional okay. <laughs> this is not cool so it just made that just made it a little bit ridiculous whereas yeah. actually the world of the witcher was quite gritty and quite adult you know capital a adult in a lot of senses before game of thrones made it cool so i was like there's a lot of elements here i mean i give them points for trying and for actually making sexual content and they made a lot of sexual content arguably and i do admire that uh, i think they kind of fumbled it or the context of it made it so um heteronormative and male gamer serving and male gaze you know, reinforcing that I was a bit like me, but mm. we are talking about 11 years ago and as a series, they've become so much more mature, which is really good. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's worth viewing to be like, okay, that was something that was done 11 years ago. There's elements of that that are interesting. There are cards here and then Gwent, the card game becomes more important later and yeah. the art looks somewhat similar, and sex cards don't make a reappearance, I believe. So, you know, I can, it's again, it's good to go back to the history and have a look at it all. Yeah, and it's interesting because we mentioned that Dragon Age Origins came out around a similar time, and they're both very high fantasy mm. RPG games. They both deal with sexuality, sexual content, romance. But it's interesting to see how different they set the scene and mm. how they convey that. Because in Dragon Age Origins, even though it's, again, quite dated, they had animated sex scenes where, <laughs> like, the 3D models would... It looked weird, uh, but, like, yeah. they animated it, kind mm. of. Like, mm. at least it was a short scene. Yep. In Witcher 1, there isn't really much um, animation in engine Mm-mm. or any actual cutscenes mm. of them doing it. Mm. Um, most of the sexual energy comes from that trading card, and the trading card is usually way more horny or mm. um, explicit than mm. the actual sex scene is, if there is any. Mm. Like, it's it's very rare in the Witcher 1 that you would actually see, like, an animated sex scene. Mm. Mm. So, yeah, that's actually, also quite interesting. Yeah, and seeing a card or a static art instead is actually pretty smart, because you can put a lot of polish 
and care mm. into some static art, whereas it's very complicated and computationally and artistically expensive to make an animated sex scene and yeah. you get into the uncanny valley. So intrinsically, I can so understand about how they were like, okay, sex scenes, how do we, how do we get the sexiness across? Okay, how about some art? So you see some art. But if you see the art, maybe you want to look back at the art or you want to be able to see all the art at once. So maybe we'll mm. do some, it's a trading card collection maybe. And then yeah. I think as a team, you know, I feel there just weren't many women in the room, Lucy, when they no. were like, what about this as a theme? You know, no one was like, mm, maybe this could come across a bit wrong, you know, or yeah, let's approve the nurse art with a dying man in the background. Like that's ooh. weird on any level, regardless of who you are, that so should still weird. send some alarm bells, yes. you know, ringing in your head. Yeah. And definitely. just, just thinking of that, actually, it is, I understand why they did it. And it was mm. a smart move. Like you said, animation wasn't as advanced then as it is now. And even now, it is really hard to animate a sex scene and make it good. Like, mm. we've only just started animating good kissing scenes. So yes. if you've seen the Last of Us 2 trailer, that was a good kiss. But often in uh, 3D animation and games, it just looks like they're just smashing the face together. <laughs> so it is it is really hard to animate something so organic and so mm. passionate. Yes. And honestly, I would I would really like to interview the person who animated the sex scenes for Dragon Age Inquisition, because I would have so many questions to ask that person about like <laughs> the mechanics of it and you know how they approach animating something so well because you know games have attempted this like Witcher 1 for so long and it's just had really varying and usually you know emotionless and detached mm. results mm. so it's so fucking hard and I mean a benefit yeah. that the Witcher series has always had over other Bioware titles is that Bioware titles go for customizable protagonists a lot of the time. And yep. that means that your animation and your cinematic direction has to work no matter what the actual 3D model looks like. So, mm. you know, if my mouth is forward and my lips are fat for my character, can I still make a kiss look good with a character? You can't yeah. possibly design and implement for all of that to always work. Whereas mm. for The Witcher, it's like, no, Geralt always has a static look the only thing you can change is his beard and his hair so the cinematic direction and the implementation can always work because we have set parameters and hit boxes and everything so yeah, you know exactly. they have that benefit they definitely have that benefit and then the direction of the scenes are like does this designed character look good with this other designed character are the colors good is the lighting good whereas in bioware it's like you can have blue lips and purple hair and be a dwarf and that's so hard to like yeah get to work um in a scene so i think the bioware team do so well with the limitations that they have but mm -hmm. in the same way that you can notice in a lot of games the way that they avoid having c clear glasses with clear liquid picked up, moved and drank and put down again because that is so fucking complicated to animate. Yeah. <laughs> so different games are like it's a steel cup or it's a bottle that you can't see the contents of, you know, like in the same way you'll see sex scenes that's like when they kiss they turn away so you can't see mouths or this is when we faded to black, you know, so that you can't yep. see the fist going through the body like <laughs> Oh my God. But, you know, it's so freaking hard to get that, that stuff to work. So yeah. there are all these little tricks that, that you end up trying to include to try and stop the uncanny valley. And you just know there's a big team of people being like, how do we make this not look like two blow-up dolls rubbing together? 
makes so. me almost wonder whether or not we're going to see more because mocap is becoming extremely common mm. in uh, translating 3D animations to game models. If we're going to see more mocap sex scenes in games, that's going to be really like intriguing. Yes. Well, the, the trailer that a lot of people were talking about for the next game in the Last of Us series, mm-hmm. that had two women in mocap having a kiss that is really good. It is a good kiss. Um, it's a really good kiss, and that was that was mocapped. And I mean, you mm. can't mocap every point on some lips, so yep. a team had to go in there and and do a lot of stuff directly. But uh, but yeah, it was it was very awesome to see. My concern yeah. is just mocap is going to help a lot, and data data piping into animation production pipelines is going to be great. But when mm-hmm. you still have customizable protagonists, which I fucking love so much, that's still really hard to account for. Yeah, especially with like height difference and body type yes. difference. Yeah, you're totally right. Mm. It is an interesting challenge. And who knows, maybe we can con someone into talking to us about animating these sorts of things and we can have a more in-depth discussion about it because <laughs> it fascinates me. It's really interesting. Yeah. But yeah, to, to summarize it, I, I've played through... Witcher 1, 2, and part of 3 now. I actually preferred Witcher 1 to Witcher 2, and that might get me pitchforked by (laughs) listeners, but I think it had a lot of really good things going for it. Um, Obviously, the treatment of uh, women in the game is quite problematic in a lot of ways. (laughs) Yeah, so it's a mixed bag, but it does do some things well that were kind of weird for its time, Mm. and it went out on a limb. Um, it incorporated sexual content as part of its uh, as part of its world without making it odd or without making a big deal of it. Mm. And like we said, kind of normalizing promiscuity and normalizing sex was pretty dang cool. And also, representing um, sex workers in the game was also quite cool. Yes. The one thing that they do need to work on um, just over all the games is definitely some body diversity as well because everyone's oh, yeah. kind of good looking and has the everyone's same model. Everyone's a model. Everyone's got a model body and, you know, and in games it is really hard and expensive to include different different body types um, and animating and rigging for all of that, but it's not really a long-term excuse. But mm. I totally agree with your summary. You know, I definitely give them props for effort. And, you know, it was 11 years ago and they've made a lot of progress. So, yeah, you know, sure. we should circle back around for Witcher 2. <laughs> Heck yeah, I can't wait to talk about Witcher 2 as well because there is some interesting stuff that went on in that game that I'm excited <laughs> to, to hear your thoughts on. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, in the meantime, Lucy, where can people come and yell at us on the internet? You can yell at us wherever you can find us, but mostly on Twitter, we're at LoveGamesCast, or if you use the hashtag LoveGamesCast, we also check that. Like we mentioned earlier on in the episode, if you are working on a romance game, or if you have a recommendation, or a suggestion for the podcast, or you just want to talk to us through email, you can email (laughs) us at... There's too many ads in this. Lovegamescast <laughs> at gmail.com and we will be back to you as soon as we can. We love hearing from you. Do talk to us. <laughs> We're lonely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> please, please talk to us. <laughs> All right. Well, until next time, everyone. Thank you so much, Lucy. And thank you so much, listeners. Thank you, Lauren. Bye, everybody. Bye, beans.